to you internet welcome out to pcappy podcast this is an anime podcast where i go through every single episode of the pokemon anime ideally there's a lot of them (laughs) and i give it just a hyper in-depth analysis and today i'm really excited to be coming to you with episode 44 of advanced generation the princess and the togepi We have a character returning to our traveling party for a short time, and though it hasn't actually been that long since we last checked in with her, every day without our sweet Misty feels like forever. I'm just grateful for every day we get to spend time with her. As for other Pokemon-related things uh, I've been up to, I recently got to go to this cute little con out in Roy, Utah, a fan con. And despite it being like only three hours long, they still actually managed to pack in quite a lot of fun and entertainment and of course cosplay. And I figured I have a YouTube channel for this podcast that I I never know what to do with. And if I was going to be running around dressed as Ash Ketchum that weekend with a camera phone in my hand, I might as well use it and try to vlog or something. I am not good at the art of the vlog. And since I enjoy dressing up in cosplay, not just for like conventions and places where other people are in costume. I also sometimes do for no reason, just because these costumes are fabulous and I should get use out of them. I I am kind of interested in maybe sucking less at vlogging and and getting some of that out there on the internet. (laughs) I know a lot of other people are interested in cosplay and the kinds of costumes we're making and how we made them and the like. So while it's not the pinnacle of cinematography, I do encourage you to check out Peacappy Podcast on YouTube. If my cosplay discussion is not to your taste, there's also a ton of Legos, a snake, a Borg cube, and a plug for a web novel series that I did some acting for, so that's all a thing. Also a thing, uh, me writing very serious songs about very silly subjects, and sometimes using robots to sing them. On my other YouTube, called just Ann Werner, I wrote a song about how Ash Ketchum feels about lightning now that he's met Pikachu, and it's sung by a vocaloid. A female vocaloid, no less, the Celtic elf named Avana. Odd as the choice is, but you gotta work with what you got, and Avana is what I got. She doesn't sound like a ten-year-old boy, but she does her best. <laughs> so for, for that and many reasons, it's kind of a weird little song, but I, I did have so much fun making it, and I love it to pieces. So if any of that excites you or sounds like so much random fail slapped together on one project that you can't help but check it out, the song is on YouTube, Center of the Storm, at Ann Werner. Meanwhile, on my Patreon, I just threw up a demo song with my natural singing voice, singing about my love of Magikarp, so 
there's all kinds of random Pokemon stuff to fill up your time. Uh, it shouldn't surprise you that much. Offbeat is what I do. Know your brand. But something less offbeat, our sponsor PokePress has been off at the Pokemon Midwest Regionals and did a live video immediately afterwards to break down the event. So that's for you gamers or aspirational gamers. And for those of you who love music and not me singing it, he's posted some of our discussions on Pokemon mu movie music on his YouTube as well. Um, and we're actually recording the discussion for Zoroark and the Master of Illusions tomorrow which by the time I'm done editing this might be tonight. So got a tiny window to get the comments in um, as to what, how you feel about those songs, the English or the Japanese ending themes. Um, and those episodes always go up on my Patreon first and then end up on PokePress's YouTube a month later. So plenty of Pokemon things to entertain you at, at plenty of places. You can follow all those addresses I just gave you, or I'll also have links to all of those things on my blog page. Uh, the info for that, which I'll give you at the end of the show. And what a show it shall be. Uh, let us get going. The episode opens with our kids chilling on the banks of a lake in a town. Well, May and Max are just sitting around. Ash and Brock are on their feet and intently scanning the road. They're waiting for someone with pins in their feet. And this scene is why I get a little angry whenever I see someone online posting about how Ash promised never to forget X friend, I'll come back and talk to Y friend, etc. And, and then how it never happened. What a liar. Like, not only does that usually show they haven't actually watched much of the series beyond, say, season one, because a lot of people recur at, later in the game, um, but they haven't been paying attention to what they have watched, uh, specifically how the characters communicate with each other in this show and all the antecedent information that's given us about what goes on off camera and how they track each other down. And today we see that a lot of things have been happening off camera. Ash is definitely keeping in touch with his friends because right now, running up the road and backlit by the sun is our heart, our love, our most tomboyish mermaid and most beautiful girl alive, Misty. Sweet Kasumi of Hanada City, how we have missed you. And we soon see that her legend has lived on amongst the traveling party. May and Max are in awe of this girl. Like, again... On camera, we've never seen Ash talk about her with May and Max. Clearly he does off camera because she's like a rock star or something. They're like, oh, it's Misty, the Misty. She's everything we imagine. She knows our names. And Misty does know their names. Ash and Brock clearly have told her about them. So yeah, Ash may not physically be in the same area as his friends, but you better believe he's keeping in contact. They all know the details of each other's lives. And if that's the case for his human friends, that's probably true of his Pokemon friends, the ones living in places that Ash can track down with relative ease. As long as the Pidgey tribe hasn't migrated off of Route 1, Ash could be visiting Pidgeot every time he goes home and keeping that promise. We know he keeps up with Charizard and Liza, with Jenny and the Squirtle Squad. So it just makes me happy to see Ash's friendships still strong and thriving since he tends to have to part ways with them so often. 
And once Ash bonds with you, it clearly breaks him up inside to be separated. So to, to get a reunion, anytime we get a reunion, I'm happy for him. Well, now the new friends get to meet the old. May and Max introduce themselves to Misty. Um, like I said, she already knows who they are. And they also get introduced to Misty's Togepi, which is why Misty's here. There's a gathering of Togepi trainers at a hotel in this town. Feel free to speculate on the name of that gathering. Togacon, perhaps. There can't be all that many trainers training Togepi. It's kind of a rare Pokemon. But maybe that's why they're having the gathering, because it's not so common. These Togepi trainers gotta stick together. So Misty got an invitation, and she thought, This meeting is held in Hoenn. Ash and Brock are traveling in Hoenn. I should call them and see if we can all meet up. And so, Ash and Brock are Misty's special guests, which means they gotta treat her with a little respect. Stay on her good side. Good to see that dynamic hasn't changed. <laughs> now, you may have been wondering how it's common knowledge that Misty even trains at Togepi. After all, she didn't seek this shindig out, they contacted her. And it's possible that as a gym leader, all of Misty's registered Pokemon are public knowledge. People can probably look that up on a database somewhere, trainers trying to challenge the gym and passing through. And everyone who's ever seen or photographed her would have seen the Togepi. And as a public figure, a gym leader, it's not hard to find means of contacting her. So there is a logic to it. But there's also another possibility. Team Rocket. Because if anyone knows this girl has a togepi, it's the people who once fought a four-way tournament for parental rights over it. So when a pair of people with weird costumes and weirder accents and peculiar facial hair with a total disregard for gender roles show up, I think we can start putting clues together. They introduce themselves as this uh, togepi event operating committee, and they're not okay with Misty's plus ones. They drag her inside and leave the rest of the twerps out. They drag her to the VIP room of the hotel, which is actually just the bunker of an airship. <laughs> and then they radio in their progress to Meowth for liftoff. Yes, the whole hotel is a front, disguising the airship and subsequent kidnapping plot. And you gotta ask, what does Team Rocket want? Because they, they did not go for Pikachu. And it's not yet revealed what they want Togepi or Misty for, but that must be a pretty serious scheme they're running to have called her all the way from freaking Kanto for this. Although since they did, like, Ash and his friends would have had no reason to doubt it, like, that's a long reach for Team Rocket. Like, clearly they are not safe anywhere. But of course, Ash isn't going to let Misty and her Togepi get taken. There's a rope hanging off the, the airship, and as it pulls away, he and all his buddies grab onto it. And now Team Rocket's got stowaways. One of which is going to narrate her exploits the entire way. May is hilarious. Either she's like, what the heck, Ash, how do I get roped into your crazy life? This is BS. Or she's like, woohoo, how can I make this situation weirder? It, it all depends on how she feels, I guess. Maybe it's a coping mechanism. But she enjoyed showing off her prowess in gym class, I guess. And the whole gang makes it up and onto the airship, even as it sails out of town and over the expanse of Sandy Desert. Team Rocket observes it from the pilot's window, still wearing beards and mustaches, because why not? 
they're planning to fly right through a sandstorm, like, so might as well go down looking fabulous. After all, May is documenting this last expedition for posterity. Everyone braces themselves as they come through the sandstorm, and then once the air is clear again, we come upon mountains. Beyond those, a town, a palace, fountains, people in gorgeous clothing. What is this place? Team Rocket calls it the Mirage Kingdom. They land the airship and then escort Misty into the Togepi Festival Stadium. All of which is a lie. Misty's long since clued in that something's up. She's not in a position to resist right now, but she's not duped or impressed. Maybe a bit impressed by the Mirage Kingdom, but not Team Rocket. Whether or not she suspects it's them yet is up for debate. When Ash gets on the scene, I kind of feel his lines imply that he does suspect Jesse and James. Which tracks? He's always been really good at recognizing Team Rocket and dealing with their schemes whenever it doesn't directly involve him. <laughs> and JJ and Meowth deliberately left him out of this one. But it doesn't matter, because Team Rocket reveals themselves through a whole motto, and Misty's like, Ugh, Ash, are we still dealing with this? This is why I never come visit you. Side note, the motto itself, like, can get old and repetitive, yeah, but I get such a kick at watching Jesse and James finding creative ways to make the letter R out of poses or random nearby objects, like... There's just something so simultaneously creative and ridiculous about that that's just so Pokemon. Anyway, this time Team Rocket's like, yeah, screw Pikachu, we don't need that. We're here for Togepi. But they can't grab it from Misty's arms because just then a man walks up, in, like rocking robes and a weird hat or turban thing, and his name is Colonel Hansen. He hired Team Rocket, it seems, to get him a Togepi, and isn't real thrilled that they also brought him a bunch of kids. But since Misty won't hand over her Togepi and leave, the guy's ready to get serious. With a Shedinja. Now, I have many times expressed that I have a kinship with Magikarp. It is my spirit animal. It's complete mediocrity, even when expending every last avenue of its potential, coupled with the fact that most people think it's only valuable if it evolves and feel the effort needed to get it there is a chore. Like, these are all things I relate to. I find great purpose in proselyting the metaphor of the Magikarp that will never evolve and how Pokemon tells us this creature still has a place in the world. In fact, I just wrote a whole song about it. But I also feel a similar kinship with Shedinja. Because this Pokemon has only one hit point, and it will always have only one hit point. And since it's ghost bug type, it's, it's got a few types that won't affect it at all, but then a whole score of types that do double damage. Not that it matters when you have one hit point. It is a glass cannon of a Pokemon, and even the cannon part is debatable. And yeah, if my Magikarp team ever needed some partners, I'd hook them up with Shedinja because there is a similar metaphor for life to be found there. Shedinja can do some brilliant damage, but only for like five seconds until the opponent actually gets their turn. Ash does not know this yet. And at present, Shedinja is backed up by a pair of ninjask, so the twerps are still kind of in trouble. Especially Misty, she's just like, effing bugs everywhere. May and Max see their idol slipping off her pedestal a little, so... Ash steps up, and he's like, take the others away, I got this. 
He and Brock will cover Misty's escape with Togepi and tells May and Max to go with her. And not like for protection. Like the vibe I'm getting is not May, protect Togepi with your Pokemon, like equal division of labor in this intense situation. It's more like, Misty, I need you to protect these kids. They are more vulnerable than your baby egg right now. And to be fair, we have seen Torchic battle. It's he's not wrong. So some epic Pokemon battling goes down while May, Max, and Misty slip off down the mountain as far away as they can get. They sneak into this huge hedge maze, but even after running for so long, Shedinja is still on their tail. Now, finally, there's no other option but to turn around and fight. May Pokedexes Shedinja, but is like, I have no clue what to do, even though she has a fire type, this is a bug type. She's still new to this rescuing thing and being proactive thing. <laughs> like, seriously, Ash needs to start teaching classes on what to do if I'm not around to save your butt 101. Luckily, Misty is a professional. She hates bugs. They are clearly weirding her out, but she looks at that Shedinja and says, no way. Corsola, we shall defend our child against this my greatest foe. Shedinja's defense is something else. Like, really? And its solar beam is also out of this world, enough to knock Togepi from Misty's arms and blast it up over a castle wall, all the way to where a beautiful young woman is tending to some flowers. And when she finds Togepi in the fountain, she gets real excited and decides to start tending to that. Togepi got pretty hurt in this impromptu flight, so the girl, the princess, we soon find out, enlists the help of one of her servants, Miranda, who is also tending the gardens with the cutest little squirtle watering can. Oh my gosh. But they're going to fix Togepi right up. In the meantime, let's check back with Ash and Brock, who are having a bit of trouble with the ninjask. They're too fast, they use double team well, and it doesn't help that the battlefield is covered with holes. My first thought was Team Rocket when Ash falls in one, but Brock postulates that the ninjask must know Dig, and if so... That is some precise digging right there. Perfect circle. Well, you know, the boys could avoid the holes, or we can battle like Ash does and be like, let's use the holes. I'm going to jump down and try to find Wonderland. He and Pikachu plan to follow the tunnel back and take the ninjask by surprise, which is audacious, but makes a fair bit of sense. The sandstorm that's protecting the ninjask is also covering Ash and Brock's moves, so they this might actually work. Ash jumps in, Brock and Mudkip follow, and we'll have to come back in a second to see how that goes. Ah, uh, like, what a place to cut! I am really interested in how this strategy works. But for now, the director and the storyboarder have decided that we need to be updated on Togepi and the Mirage Kingdom, so... In a very short time, we learn... The Mirage Kingdom doesn't have an open visitation policy and tends to keep outsiders out, and the king's been told of Ash Ketchum and friends' intrusion. We also know that a Togepi appearing before the princess is kind of a big deal, enough to interrupt the king when he's focused on national security, and that it's tied up to a succession ceremony, and all of the royal family, in fact, have Togepi motifs in their clothing. We also learned that Togepi's gonna be okay, it just needed some rest and a band-aid. We also learned that Misty's tracking ability is second to none. 
just as the princess gushes that she's found her perfect partner, Misty runs up and practically busts down the door. Girl's heaving like she's just run a marathon, but apparently she defeated all the bugs, saw where Togepi landed, and caught up in time to gather relevant information about where the princess took her egg baby. And now she's here. Because if Togepi has a perfect partner, it is Misty. So she confronts Miranda and the royal family, and at the same time, Colonel Hansen arrives, warning of the intruders. Did he just leave that battle behind? How's Ash doing? Is he still down a hole? But of course, Misty recognizes Mr. Hansen, so now he's actually made his case worse. He calls the kids intruders, but he's the one who forced them to come here. Like, none of them wanted to be here, none of them knew that here existed. They're just here for- they're just here for Misty's Togepi, which he stole, needing it for some mysterious purpose, but he hasn't told the royals about it, so he probably wasn't completing that purpose legitimately. So the king kicks Hansen out of the room, just as Ash and Brock run up like, Hey, you! Stuck up, man! And Misty's like, shut up, Ash. Stuff is happening. We are in way over our heads. And she's right, Ash needs to just shut up and pay attention, because royal succession is a big deal. These kids have stumbled on some real court intrigue, and, well, people who are not careful in these situations tend to get axed. The, the kids need to keep their wits about them and learn what they can. But more importantly, why didn't we get to see the end of that ninja-esque battle? I really wanted to see if Ash's reverse dig strategy worked. Like, that would have been so entertaining. But uh, now that people are all talking rationally, Misty thanks the princess for taking care of her Togepi, and they seem willing to accept that she is Togepi's trainer and has some legitimate reason to be there. They apologize for the misunderstanding and also for Hansen. Apparently he's been causing all kinds of trouble. And you know, if that's the case, you can fire him, demote him, put him on suspension, like, you don't have to keep employees in such a position of power if you know they're abusing it repeatedly. <laughs> or maybe it's a keep your friends close, enemies closer thing. Whatever the case, the king is ready to get the outsiders out of his kingdom. And I've gotta ask, we find a fair amount of these kingdoms from time to time. The Mirage Kingdom, Cameron Palace, and the status of these leaders seems to be a legit big deal. Some of the kingdoms are recognized by the rest of the region, some are kept a bit more hidden. I'm not sure about this one yet, it doesn't seem to be full Wakanda type hidden, but still. I am curious as to just how much governance these leaders have of their independent micronations. Do they consider themselves part of the region or not? Are they legally bound by the same laws? That sort of thing. They might just be figureheads, most of them, but again, people still take those positions seriously, so there must be power of a kind. And yeah, in the Mirage Kingdom, ruling is kind of a big old deal. It's just something to think about. Like, we naturally apply our real-world rules in states and provinces and countries to the region system in Pokémon, and, you know, maybe that's not how it works. Maybe the regions, you know, their geographic borders are defined, but there might not be a central leadership over it beyond that which rules over the Pokémon League. Or maybe there is, but underneath that, management is broken up into many factions. I don't know. 
Political structure of the Pokemon world, another thing you never cared about, brought to you by Peacappy Podcast. <laughs> but Mirage Kingdom, for centuries, Togepi has been worshipped as their guardian Pokemon, and if the princess wants to ascend the throne, she must seek out and find a Togepi. It's her mission, it's tradition, and when that Togepi then goes through the succession ceremony and departs back to where it came from... It shows, I guess, its work is done. That person has the right to claim the throne. And Sarah here was supposed to have her succession ceremony in this temple tomorrow, but she's still not found a single Togepi. So she was really excited when one practically fell into her lap. But more excited was Hansen, because if he could steal Misty's Togepi, maybe he could make himself the next successor. Princess Sarah and Miranda believe this guy's been plotting to take over the kingdom for a while. And while Brock, like, there has been a beautiful girl in the room, and he's been able to stay so focused, I I'm actually kind of proud of him, but it had to crack eventually. He gets down on one knee and declares his love and loyalty and protection. And as he goes on and on, we see Misty's hand entering the frame and twitching, Finally, she grabs him by the ear and drags him away from Sarah. Ash is just like, oh, man, I missed you. And May and Max are in awe, like, teach us your ways, sensei. But the danger is real. Sarah needs to find her own Togepi. And in the meantime, who knows what Hansen might be plotting in order to steal the throne. Clearly, he's hired mercenaries to, like, go out and find him Togepis. So the kids have to leave the kingdom for their own safety. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is gonna stay? Like, I don't know how they got this gig with Hanson, but it seems they're working for him and are happy enough to basically ditch Team Rocket for a spot in the royal court or whatever it is he's promising them. Power of some kind. That's interesting. Well, just as the kids are about to board an airship and leave, a gust of wind creeps up and creates a mirage. Above the temple, a perfect horizontal mirror image is seen, and it's another temple upside down. And when Togepi sees it, it starts glowing and flying towards it. Beyond that mirage is the Togepi paradise, and standing between Togepi and paradise is the one-hit-point wonder, Shedinja. Like, everyone's scared, but I don't think any of them have actually looked at its Pokédex entry. Like, you could throw a leaf at that thing and it would go down. <laughs> Bless this anime for making Alone Shedinja a threat. Truly, even with our crippling weaknesses, if we work hard, we are all capable of great things. Every last one him point wonder of us. And whoever voiced Shedinja, like, props. It sounds so enthusiastic about its attacks, like, it is so happy to be blowing up the landscape. But yes, if Shedinja's here, so is Hansen, and his ninjask, and Team Rocket. They want the Togepi. So we're going to have to battle and also accept a cliffhanger because that's where this episode ends. It's a two-parter. We won't find out the fates of our heroes and villains until next time. And on the one hand, it's so sad to end it. And on the other hand, yay, we get more Misty. So awesome. And it's great because, I, I mean, at this point, it hasn't been established as a thing, a recurring thing. But this is the first time we get a recurring a travel companion coming back for the visit. And, it, and it's now grown to be something that we ex expect and cry when it doesn't happen. This episode has a lot of good points, and, and like, for stars, it has a plot. 
But what it really does for me, in addition to just being able to catch up with Misty and see how she interacts with Ash and Brock after being away for a while, after kind of coming into her own as a trainer, like she never had the chance to do when she was traveling with them. Like all of that is really important to me. And, and also just, again, being able to see the evidence of what happens off camera. Like that opening scene is so touching to me because it shows like, again, Ash keeps in contact with his friends. His friends who are not traveling with him know how to get in touch with him. Because again, Misty was invited to this. She she had to seek Ash out. Ash and his friends must Skype call from time to time. And Ash has told May and Max stories about Misty. And he's told Misty stories about May and Max enough that she knows who they are when she meets them and how happy Brock and Ash and eager they are to, to see her. And that basically they pick up right where they left off. Like, I don't know, there's just a lot of human interaction in there that's wonderful to me. And again, Shedinja, it's just so fun to say. The very concept of this one hit point Pokemon, like, just puts a smile on my face. I'm so happy it exists. And that, again, it was a legit threat for this episode. Like, Ash could have breathed on that Pokemon and it would have fainted, but yet it is the bad guy's, like, lead Pokemon. I love it. Anyway, we are going to leave it there and see more of Misty and Colonel Hansen and the fabulous Shedinja in our next episode. So until next time, I'm going to leave it here. You can find links to PokePress and all of my musical and cosplay exploits on my blog page, which is pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. Pcappy Podcast is also on YouTube. It is on iTunes. It is wherever podcasts are found. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, where sometimes the conversation drifts over to Yu-Gi-Oh, but that's cool too. And as always, you can send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Pcappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. Pikachu!